Welcome to podcast number 257. I'm Stuart McCullough. I'm the CEO of VHA. And with me today is Senior Workplace Relations Consultant, Daniel Pulling. Welcome, Daniel. Thank you, Stuart. Daniel, we're going to show a clue. And from that clue, you're going to tell us uh, what you think the subject for today's discussion is. Uh, let's see the clue now. You will bring Captain Solo and the Wookiee to me. So for the benefit of those people who are listening to this podcast, uh, rather than watching, could you describe what it is that you've just seen? Look, I'm going to have to tell everyone, I love Star Trek. So I'm um, really excited to have a Star Trek uh, Star Trek clue. But the uh, that was uh, the start of the Star Trek movie Return of the Jedi. Uh, and it was Jabba the Hutt that I saw there. Um, so based on that, I can, I can only say that it, uh, it, it must be dietitians. Uh, Daniel, you couldn't be more wrong. So a few things to correct there. First of all, it's Star Wars, not not Star Trek, and it breaks my heart that you uh, that you make that particular error. Uh, in terms of what we've just seen, uh, you are correct though. In terms of the the name of the movie, it's the Return of the Jedi, and it begs the question: Return from what? Return from holidays? Return from an ADO? Return from sick leave? Uh, no, it's the return from something else. In fact, we would say it's a return from a sabbatical. Uh, a sabbatical that was spent with Yoda, I believe, uh, undertaking some form of additional training. Uh, so that leads us to today's discussion, which is about the sabbatical leave provisions of the Medical Specialists Agreement. So we're talking about Clause uh, 57 of that particular agreement for those people who want to turn to the clause in their agreements. Yeah, so uh, if you've got the agreement in front of you, it is Clause 57, and the clause has benefited from a top-down rewrite during this round of bargaining. So the purpose of today's podcast will take members through each subclause and bring key changes to their attention. Right, so starting with the note at the beginning of the clause, this is one of those clauses that has that kind of um, scene-setting note at the front. Um, it's on screen at the moment, and it provides that uh, note. A doctor's entitlement under this clause may be affected by Clause 7 savings of local agreements. Um, Daniel, this isn't new, uh, but it has been moved to the top of the clause. Could you just remind people what the effect of that is? So health services who are subject to a pre-2013 collective agreement may have preserved sabbatical leave terms which provide for entitlements that exceed those as set out in clause 57. An example may be that an entitlement to a greater quantum of sabbatical leave. So really what the note does is remind health services that in the context of this particular provision, yes, there is the provision under Clause uh, 57, but there could be more to the story through a pre-2013 collective agreement if it provides a greater entitlement. That's correct. So it is worth noting that most doctors are not impacted by such arrangements. Health services who have these terms in pre-2013 collective agreements are highly likely to be aware of them already. But if you're not aware, um, they, could, they could let us know. Um, uh, yes. <laughs> all right. Taking us then to subclause one, let's go through the clause uh, step by step and the, the definitions. And they, these definitions are unique to that clause, meaning uh, that they're definitions for the purpose of this clause 57, uh, but only this clause 57. And the reason that that's important to note uh, is that, for example, the definition of service with a capital S at subclause B is not identical to the definition of service with a capital S within the long service leave clause. In sticking with subclause B, uh, the definition of service has been redrafted to assist members in terms of calculating service. 
it has. And we've provided an extract of those additions on screen now. Uh, so it provides that in calculating such sorry in calculating such aggregate service, any period of employment in any one health service of less than six continuous months is disregarded. Uh, service is deemed to be unbroken, but not counted towards calculating aggregate service in respect of any period of absence from employment between an engagement with one health service and another of five weeks or less. And that excludes all periods of paid annual leave, long service or personal carer's leave. And service for the purpose of sabbatical leave is where the doctor has been engaged in medical, undergraduate or postgraduate teaching or research with a health service throughout that period. The obvious question, Daniel, is where does that language come from? So the language existed under subclause four entitlement under the previous agreement. It was decided that service and matters that determine what contributes to service should be in the one place. Okay, so it's, it's that idea that we've um, talked about before where um, disparate ideas are brought together in, into one place to make the clearer. So the definition hasn't changed, but it's been redrafted to incorporate relevant terms into the one, one place, the one definition. That's correct. So moving on to subclause C, um, there is a new defined term relevant period, uh, which we've got up on screen. Uh, so the relevant period for the purpose of sabbatical leave means six years continuous service with one employer as a doctor, six years continuous service across two or more employers as a doctor, where the doctor has at least three years continuous service with their current employer, uh, nine years continuous service across two or more employers as a doctor, where that doctor has at least two years continuous service with the current employer or 12 years continuous service across two or more employers, uh, where the doctor has at least six months continuous service with their current employer. Can you start by taking us through how that particular term was developed? So it was identified through bargaining that there was an inconsistency in application of how previous service was recognised for the purpose of sabbatical leave. Uh, we also heard that health services required doctors to undertake a waiting period, and they did so because it meant that these doctors didn't jump ahead of those doctors with longer service at the health service. So we've got a, a situation where there is a disparate approach to the same problem. Uh, how is that then resolved? So we were able to negotiate a stepwise arrangement with the AMA and ASMOF that required new doctors to undertake a waiting period at their new employer, having regard to the length of continuous service within the sector. Okay, so what's the effect of that approach? So as we know, a doctor is required to possess six years of continuous service to be able to access sabbatical leave. Um, where that doctor has six years continuous service and they move to a new employer, they have to complete an additional three years of continuous service with the new employer before being able to access sabbatical leave. So that's the effect of the stepwise outcome? That is. Um, where the doctor has nine years continuous service within the sector, when they move to a new employer, they must complete an additional two years of continuous service with the new employer before being able to access sabbatical leave. And the last step? So the last step is where the doctor has 12 years continuous service when they move to a new employer and they must complete an additional six months of continuous service with a new employer before being able to access sabbatical leave. Okay, so the effect of that stepwise process is to uh, require, I guess, a waiting period, regardless of the length of continuous service, save that the length of that waiting period reduces uh, in correlation with the amount of service. That's correct. And we will go into more detail in subclause three. So take us then through then to subclause D, uh, which provides for a sabbatical advisory committee. Uh, can you take us uh, through that new definition? 
So the definition we've provided on screen, and it provides that the sabbatical advisory committee means a committee whose terms of reference include the function of providing advice in relation to applications for sabbatical leave. So this is a new term, which is intended to replace the term advisory board or electoral college from the previous agreement. And we'll go into more detail in subclauses five and six. Well, I will admit every time I saw electoral college, I thought of something completely different uh, and not the specialist agreement. Uh, but that does take us to subclause two general terms. And I understand Daniel, that these terms uh, uh, existed in the former agreement. That's correct. And the clause provides as follows on screen. So subject to the provisions set out in subclause 57.3 of the agreement, a doctor may make an application for sabbatical leave after the completion of the relevant period, where the sole purpose of the sabbatical leave is to undertake a course of study or research related to his or her work, and where the doctor has been engaged in medical undergraduate or postgraduate teaching or research with a health service throughout that period. So to break that subclause down, the sole purpose of the sabbatical leave needs to be to undertake a course of study or research related to the doctor's work. That's correct. And the doctor would be expected to provide details around the course of study or research they intend to undertake when they make the application for sabbatical leave. And the doctor would uh, would need to have been engaged in medical undergraduate or postgraduate teaching or research with a health service throughout the relevant period? That's correct. So if the doctor isn't engaged in medical undergraduate or postgraduate teaching or research, that time isn't counted when determining the relevant period. So the clause continues. Uh, at B, sabbatical leave may be taken in two periods of up to 13 weeks duration, uh, which are taken within two years of each other. So Daniel, this means that a doctor can split their 26 weeks of sabbatical leave into two periods, as long as those periods are taken within two years of each other. That's right. And the clause ends with that the onus of proving a sufficient aggregate of service to support a claim for sabbatical leave will rest with the doctor. That takes us to subclause three, uh, which is headed entitlement. It's broken into four parts. So let's start with the first of those parts at part A. So subclause A is provided on screen and it represents the existing entitlement for sabbatical leave. Uh, so it's at subclause A and it provides that a doctor who has been in the service of the same health service for the relevant period specified in subclause 57.1C Roman 1 of this agreement is entitled to a maximum of 26 weeks leave of absence on full salary or wages for the purpose of undertaking a period of approved sabbatical leave in accordance with this clause. So a doctor with six years continuous service can access 26 weeks of sabbatical leave subject to meeting the provisions of the wider clause. Uh, that in turn then brings us to a new provision at subclause B, which deals with service across multiple employers. And that provides on screen again that a doctor who is and has been in the service of one or more health services, including any statutory body directly associated with such health service or health services, for the relevant period specified in subclause 57.1c Roman 1 of this agreement is entitled to a maximum of 26 weeks leave of absence on full salary or wages. So once again this relies on the previously discussed definition of relevant period and we'll just pop that back on screen again uh, for a moment you can see it there in terms of six years with one employer, six years with two or more employers and nine years and 12 years. Uh, the clause then does go on to provide an example which we'll discuss briefly. So on screen, you can see the example provides that you have a doctor who was employed at Hospital A as a medical specialist for five years before terminating and immediately commencing a new role at Hospital B as a medical specialist. The doctor, upon commencing at Hospital B, 
will uh, be have to complete a further three years service before being eligible for sabbatical leave. So this goes back to what we discussed earlier, a doctor will need to undertake a waiting period for the purpose of accessing sabbatical leave when moving between health services, say that the quantum of that uh, waiting period does vary. Uh, that does in turn take us to subclause C, and that deals with periods of sabbatical leave of less than 26 weeks dura duration. I understand, Daniel, that this one is an existing clause or pre-existing clause. That's right, and we've provided it on screen here uh, that it states that subject to subclause 57.2b, where a doctor proceeds on sabbatical leave of less than 26 weeks duration, the doctor will be deemed to have received his or her full entitlement under this clause, and he or she will not be entitled to claim any entitlement representing in part or in whole the balance of the 26 weeks. The absence of a doctor on sabbatical leave will be prima facie evidence that he or she has received his or her full entitlement under this clause. Where sabbatical leave is taken in two periods of 13 weeks as allowed under subclause 57.2b, the provisions of this clause will apply to each 13-week period. It's interesting, it sort of uh, makes that point that a sabbatical is not, um, uh, doesn't always mean a particular quantum of time, but a particular event uh, being the sabbatical itself. Uh, but just more broadly speaking, Daniel, what is the effect of that clause? So the effect of this is a doctor cannot use their sabbatical leave to take multiple periods of short leave. They will have the ability to take two periods of 13 weeks, but they can't, for example, take four periods of sabbatical leave that total 26 weeks. If we move then to subclause D, which deals with the calculation of relevant period following sabbatical leave. So subclause D provides on screen that where a doctor has proceeded on sabbatical leave, a subsequent relevant period as specified in subclause 57.1C of this agreement will not commence to run until the date of the doctor's return to duty following sabbatical leave, provided that whereby a mutual agreement and a doctor had delayed the taking of sabbatical leave, that period of service between the end of the relevant period and the taking of such leave will be included as part of the subsequent relevant period. So in shorthand terms, the clock doesn't restart until the doctor returns from sabbatical leave? That's right. Uh, unless the doctor and the health service agree to delay the taking of sabbatical leave, then the period between the end of the relevant period and the taking of sabbatical leave is though counted towards the following relevant period. That's correct. Mm -hmm. um, let's move to subclause four now, which deals with applications for sabbatical leave. So we provided that on screen, so it provides that a doctor's application for sabbatical leave must be in writing and contain adequate details of the proposed program of study or research and how it relates to the doctor's work and details of the doctor's engagement in medical, undergraduate or postgraduate teaching or research with a health service throughout the relevant period. It's interesting, Adam. So it's not just simply the fact that the application is in writing, but it's in writing and containing, uh, containing certain specified information. That's right. So it has to contain relevant information that allows the health service to determine whether the application aligns with the terms of the sabbatical leave clause. So it would seem sensible that following a subclause that deals with the application for sabbatical leave, that it's followed by a subclause that deals with a requirement to respond by the health service. Can you then take us through subclause five? So we've placed subclause five up on screen and it states that where a doctor has made an application for sabbatical leave in accordance with subclause 57.4, the employer will, within three months of the written application being received, notify the doctor in writing whether the application for sabbatical leave has been approved as requested or approved with modifications or conditions or refused. Just to break down those key components, Daniel, uh, it's that the application must be responded to in writing. 
application must be in writing, must set out certain information, the response must be in writing within a certain period of time, being three months of its receipt, uh, and that an application can be approved as requested, approved with modifications or conditions, or it can be refused. That's correct. Um, and where the application for sabbatical leave has been approved as requested, or with modifications or conditions that are agreeable to the doctor, then the sabbatical leave will be given as soon as practicable having regard to the needs of the health service, but the taking of such leave must be postponed uh, to a mutually agreed date. I'm just emphasising that point about modifications or conditions that are, are agreeable to the doctor. I take it that if they're not agreeable to the doctor, it's potentially a dispute. Uh, there is a process now uh, at uh, subclause C which we'll place on screen. So if the application for sabbatical leave has been approved with modifications or conditions that aren't agreeable to the doctor or the application was refused, then the health service must provide those reasons in writing and the doctor may request that the sabbatical advisory panel review the application for sabbatical leave and the response of the health service and provide advice. Okay, so it's sort of a local um, dispute resolution procedure. So the role of C is to formalise an outcome that's not suitable to both the doctor and the health service. That's right. Uh, relevantly, it doesn't allow, sorry, it does allow, sorry, for the referral to the sabbatical advisory panel, which we will deal with within subclause six. Sorry, that uh, does sound like an invitation to talk about subclause six, which deals with the referral to the sabbatical advisory panel. And that, that clause provides the health service and the doctor must comply with the written advice of the sabbatical advisory committee, except that it may be varied by mutual agreement between the health service and the doctor. Practically speaking, Daniel, what does that mean? So the previous agreement granted the role of the final decision maker to the advisory board or electoral college. Now, these words were and terms were antiquated, and what this resulted in is health services often decided internally what this meant. The parties did agree that the sabbatical advisory committee's role would be to provide written advice to the doctor and health service in the event the outcome reached by the health service is not agreeable to the doctor. Uh, the doctor or health service cannot dispute the written advice of the sabbatical advisory committee. Okay, uh, thank you, Daniel, for taking us through Clause 57. For some reason I can't explain, I have an overwhelming urge to return to the planet Endor uh, and watch the, the rest of Return to the, uh, of the Jedi. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Stuart. Thank you.